Welcome to another episode of the Phoenix Rising podcast, Journeys of Descending into the Mysteries and Rising from the Roots. I am your host, Lisa Hillier, and today I have Emma Rollison on the show with me. Emma is an intuitive life coach who empowers women to stand in their truth and practice self-love so they can thrive in their health and life. She works with soul-searching feminine beings who want to break free from their limiting beliefs and sabotaging expectations and are ready to claim their personal power and become the highest version of themselves. Mm, Beautiful. In today's episode with Emma, we dive into letting God take the lead, standing in your truth and power and relationships as teachers and so much more juicy stuff. Can't wait to dive in. Welcome. I have Emma here with me and I'm so excited to dive into our conversation of the rising, the descent, all the magic that meets us along the way. So welcome, welcome, Emma. I'm excited you're here with me. And to start, we're going to dive right in. So I would love for you to share with us just your story. Um, You know, the dark nights of the soul, the nitty gritty, what it took for you to arrive right here, right now as a beautiful embodiment of the divine feminine of the light and the magical work that you're birthing out into the planet and so yes what what is your story my love I guess a good place to start would be my story of how I even started doing this work um because that was really what led me to teaching it to others and supporting others. So the journey for me, I guess the catalyst for me starting my own personal development and spiritual journey was me losing my dad. So I lost my dad in summer 2019. And although he was sick for a pretty long time, like he had cancer and he was always going to die, the way that he died was very, very sudden and unexpected. You know, we thought we had more time. And my way of coping with losing him was going back to personal training and teaching group fitness classes three days after he died. And I thought that was enough time for me to get over it and move forward and basically get on with my life um so yeah I probably should mention that before coaching I also did personal training and I still do that a little bit now but yeah my way of coping with losing him was getting straight back into work basically and this was you know even before losing him this was a huge pattern of mine just kind of bolstering myself and keeping on moving forward and never actually dealing with my emotions or even really knowing how to feel them and how to be with them just even numbing myself out or busying myself to just get on with it because this is what is glorified in society right so that was what I did I went straight back into work and I was doing everything it was like I want to highlight like before I kind of go into it more that I didn't actually know this was happening. I didn't know that I was trying to numb my feelings and just get over it. I thought I was actually doing amazing and coping really well. I thought I was doing a really good job. It was like 
I was a fish that didn't know it was swimming in water. Like all of this stuff was right here. And it was like, I was just tunnel visioned into just moving forwards and getting on with life. And I was doing everything under the sun to stop myself from feeling, to stop myself from grieving him basically. Um, and that looked like me massively over-exercising to give myself, you know, this kind of false, false high to think that I was coping. So obviously I did really feel good when I was doing that, but it was actually just to numb out. Um, and this is why I feel really passionate about exercise not being therapy like the fitness industry tends to say a lot of the time um, because it can also go the other way I believe which I've experienced personally you know like actually using exercise to give myself a false sense of pleasure and feel like I was you know feeling good and coping um, and then it looked like binge eating binge eating to give myself again that false sense of pleasure and just really busying myself with work and all the while I was doing this, you know, I felt like a com complete fraud. I felt like an imposter because I was somebody who was meant to be promoting health and wellness, but I, was, I wasn't any of those things during that time because I was just fighting against myself and fighting against my feelings. Um, and in short, I just got to the point where I was like, I cannot do this anymore something's not right I had to take two weeks out of um work because I just couldn't I couldn't go on and I thought this way of coping with grief is not working it doesn't work um so there must be another way and I decided to I just intuitively felt that I wanted to try a guided meditation class and I'd never done meditation before. So this was in 2019. So really not that long ago. I'd never meditated before. I thought it was kind of silly, but I thought there's got to be another way because the way that society has told me to deal with grief isn't working. Um, and I remember feeling so scared and so silly walking into this meditation studio. I remember standing outside the door and I was just going to turn around and walk right back home. I didn't want to go in. I felt like people would think I didn't fit in and all these little stories that my head was telling me of why I shouldn't go in. But I ignored those stories and I went in. And yeah, I sat in the waiting area I pulled a tarot card and I didn't even know how to do it. They were just all laying out and I was like, I'm just gonna pick one of these because I feel awkward and <laughs> so I'm just gonna do something. Um, and then yeah, did this guided meditation class and I just felt so, I felt so connected to myself in a way that I had never ever felt before. I couldn't even describe it. It was so alien to me. Um, it was like all my emotions came forwards at once that I didn't really know what, it was just a completely new feeling to me, but I felt incredible afterwards. And so I started to go back and I started to go regularly to these meditation classes. And then I was trying, you know, sound baths, um, breath work, guided breath work classes. Um, and that was kind of the start of me really leaning into my personal and spiritual development from getting more comfortable 
in that space. I then hired a coach. I hired spiritual healers. I started to really open up to my therapist. I had had therapy for quite a long time, but it was very surface level. So I never really let her in. And I started to really let her in. And, you know, in short, I let personal and spiritual development like swallow me up and just give my life a big fat makeover <laughs> and spit me back out again. Um, and, you know, sometimes I still feel like I've swallowed up with it. Um, but this was, yeah, essentially how I got into my own personal journey in personal mm. spiritual development. And it was in finding myself and feeling really connected to who I really am, what I really want out of this life, how I really want to feel, that I really felt the pull to support women in doing the same. Um, and I feel like this is, you know, pretty common with a lot of um, coaches, spiritual healers, they go through the journey themselves and realize how much it literally changes your life and just can't ignore the pull to want to be able to facilitate that for others. Um, so fast forward, you know, a few, well, probably about a year. Um, it took me a while to actually listen to that calling of, you know, I can do this. Like I can be a life coach. Like I can facilitate healing in others. It took me a while to actually lean into that because I had this belief of like, that's for other people. Like you do your personal training, like that's for you. Let the other people do that. And so this was kind of like a, a lack of self-belief, I guess. Um, but I was getting to the point in my personal training with my clients where, you know, they were getting amazing results but they still weren't happy or they were getting amazing results and then falling back into old habits a few months later. And I started to question, is it me? Am I a bad coach or are they just lazy clients? Like what's going on here? And in doing the work myself, I realized, you know, it doesn't matter how much you want something, you know, in relation to my personal training, it was, you know, losing weight or, you know, feeling healthier, whatever it is. Um, doesn't matter how much you want it, you know, if you have deep rooted beliefs that tell you that you're not worthy of that, or you can't have it, or you don't deserve it, it's going to be incredibly difficult to have those results last and be fully transformed and not slip back into those old habits. So that's what I realized. I was like, it's, it's not me. There's just more. It's not just about the physical body, like a full transformation, even if it is just in your health and your wellness, it goes far beyond the physical body. Um, and I just considered the question, why not me? Like, why is that for other people? Why can't it be for me? Um, and then, yeah, I gave in to that voice that had been whispering for literally a year. Um, and then here I am doing what I do now. Oh, I love that. And I think it's so important to recognize when people are searching for happiness, we're so often looking at it. Like when I have this amount of money or when I have this size of body or when I live in this house or, you know, when I get the degree, when I get married, when I have the kids, whatever it looks like. And then we get there, like, you know, the, the body that we work so hard for, whatever it might look like. And it's like, but I'm still not happy. It's not there. And so for you, what was it that led you to true happiness? And what is the journey into true happiness? 
look like? I think, yeah, I love what you said about like, it's not about the things. And this is what I believe has really led me into true happiness. It's not about the things. I was always somebody for, you know, my whole life. Yeah, when I'm when I'm this clothes size, then I'll be happy. When I have this, when I have that. When I have this, then I'll be able to do this thing, which is gonna make me happy. But really what I believe is all we ever want is ourselves. And the stuff outside of ourselves doesn't matter if we don't feel connected to and trusting and confident in who we are, um, whatever that looks like, right? And I think what's brought me true happiness is actually really becoming connected to who I am and learning to love who I am and rewrite those beliefs and stories that there's something wrong with me. Um, that's really been the thing that's allowed me to be truly happy. Like, yes, the, the, the stuff outside of me is a bonus, but it's never gonna be, it's never gonna be enough if you don't like yourself. Right. So for me, my true happiness has come from me actually really starting to like myself and, and love myself. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that coming home to the self. And that's, that's where happiness is, is when we come home to ourselves and choose ourselves. And it doesn't mean that it's all beautiful and sunshine and rainbows. It Like when you spoke about going to work three days after your father's passing, I, I went to work one week after mine and my boss was like, well, what the hell are you doing here? But it was like, I just had to soldier on. And that's what I feel from you. And so the coming home to the self felt like, you know, you're like, this isn't working. The way that I'm coping with my grief isn't working. Actually being with it is the portal into the self, which meditation opens up or opened up for you or has for so many people. It's such a catalyst to come home to the self and be like, this is how I'm actually feeling. And when you sift through all those layers, that's where true happiness resides and we can come home to ourselves in a society that very much, you know, maybe is designed to take us off of our path. And so that's the work is like, come home, come home, come back home to the self. That's beautiful. Um, I love that. And so since you, you answered the call, which is what it sounds like you did was like, I'm a hell yes to this. I'm stepping in. I am, you know, journeying into the depths. I've gone through the darkness. I'm ready to shine my light and be a guide for other women to do the same. And so that those belief systems, because they're, you know, what often hold us back or can show up to hold us back um, from fully trusting ourselves or stepping into our power. What do those belief systems look like? And what has been your journey or how you guide other women to shift the belief systems and the narrative. And, you know, in that shifting the belief systems, we can fully claim who we are. Yeah. So for me, the main beliefs that I've had to shift and what I've experienced with working with my clients one-to-one is really this this belief that they're that we're fundamentally flawed or that there's something wrong with us because we don't fit this kind of societal norm or this box or what something should look like 
And what I've become incredibly passionate about is actually breaking free from those boxes because we are, you know, we are all multifaceted, multi-passionate human beings. We can't possibly be confined to a tiny little box. Like that is not why we're here. That is not who we are. And so what I feel the beliefs that need to be shifted is like that we have to fit in these boxes, that we have to be a certain way in order to, you know, fit in or be liked or be accepted. And don't get me wrong, like it's it's really important for us as humans to be accepted and to belong and to fit in. But it's like learning how to, what am I trying to say? learning how to cultivate that within the self rather than feeling like I only fit in if I belong in this certain group of people or if I act in this certain way. So it's like becoming really connected to who you are as you, not you know what other people say that you should be like or how you should act or how you should think like feeling really connected and trusting in you and seeing and it's like the way that I always like to I don't know if I'm going off on a tangent here but the way I always like to kind of vision that is because I used to believe that being confident in myself and trusting myself and being and liking who I was was about being really kind of out there and extroverted and being really loud and walking into a room and being like, hey, like, look at me, here I am, and commanding attention. I thought, if I can't be this way, then, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be noticed. I'm not going to fit in. People aren't going to like me. And I molded myself for a long time to try and be that way, which was freaking exhausting because that's not who I am. Like, I am naturally... I have, you know, largely introverted qualities. I don't believe that any of us are complete introverts or extroverts. I think we all have bits of both, but I would say, you know, I'm probably 80 to 90% introverted and then like 10% extroverted, but I thought I had to be extroverted for people to like me and for me to fit in and for me to kind of be successful. And I don't think it's about walking into a room and being like, hey, look at me, here I am, like commanding attention. It's about being able to walk into a room. Doesn't matter how many people are in there. Doesn't matter how many people are looking at you. And you being able to just be like, hey, here I am. Mm. And if you like me, if you like that, that's awesome. If you don't, that's interesting because I like me. Mm. So that's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. What it feels like is that um, kind of that people pleaser energy or the, the wounded maiden, which, you know, the wounded maiden, we love her, but she can show up as like, I have to look a certain way. I have to please everybody. I have to command attention. I need validation. I need to seek validation from everybody else um, to fit in, to belong, but the, the, the divine feminine or just the feminine in general is that magnetic energy where it's like, this is me exactly as I am. I don't need your approval. I'm not seeking validation from you. I love me. And that's okay. Um, like it's okay if you are not validating that for me because I, I'm showing up exactly as I am. And 
I think that, you know, the introvert, the extrovert, a lot of times healers are quite introverted because we take on so much of other people's energy where it's, it's exhausting to be in big rooms of people. And so we abandon ourselves with that. And I know for myself, I would drink heavily when I was in groups of people because I wanted to fit in. I just wanted to blend in. I didn't want to stand out or, you know, I wanted to look like I belonged in those spaces. Um, because I can be very socially awkward. And it wasn't until sobriety came into my path where I recognized how socially awkward I was. And it was like, I love you. Like, I love this awkward part of myself. And it's like reclaiming those shadow aspects that we might've not accepted along our path to be like, I love you too. And that can be the you know, just that multifaceted human, there's so many different facets to each and every one of us. And it's like accepting the ones that society maybe deems wrong or unacceptable. And like, I love you too. So with the the shadow aspects of the self, what comes to mind for you about like reclamation of the shadow? Because, you know, these beliefs that we're not whole, that we need to be fixed, all the beautiful stuff that you spoke of, it's like those beliefs are lingering in the shadows. And as soon as we bring them into the scene, um, that's when reclamation can take place. And so the shadow is such a potent part to our healing journey. Yeah. What comes up for you with the shadow and what that reclamation process looks like? I mean, I think it's, you know, really what you said, like, taking these parts out of the dark and bringing them into the light and I think that that's what so many of us can struggle with you know if we've been taught to believe through society that you know maybe being bitchy or being jealous or you know being shy are bad things then we bury those parts of ourselves and really it's about like you said like bringing them out of the dark and into the light and saying I I love you, I accept you, like you're a part of me too. And it's not to say that those parts of us have to run the show, but it's actually giving them space to come out because they, they are a part of us too and they've made us what, what we are today. And it's like, it's... Taking yourself away from, you know, if I, taking it out of an identity level, that's what I'm trying to say. It's like, what am I trying to say here? Taking it out of an identity level. So for example, like I, I can be, I can be bitchy sometimes, but does it mean that I am a bitch? Does it mean I am a bitchy person just because I, you know, maybe say some bitchy comments. Um, so it's not letting those parts of ourselves that we've been, told are wrong or bad and we've had to squash them and suppress them and block them out um not letting them become us on an, on an identity level and just accept that they are a part of us that's made us who we are today um a really big one for me has been lying and this has been actually a very new realization for me i say new um probably something I've known for a long time, but haven't had the courage in myself to admit that it's a part of me. Um, when I was younger, I used to lie a lot and I shamed myself so much for that. And 
you know, you could argue that really we are all walking around living a lie. You know, that can look like denying what we really desire, saying that we want that we want something when we don't really want it, not speaking up when something isn't okay to, you know, save confrontation or whatever it is. You know, we we can we we all lie even if it's little white lies, but I have shamed myself for this for years. And I've always been so vocal about how much I hate liars. And this is the interesting thing that we do, right? As the very complex humans that we are, we often hate the things the most that we refuse to accept in ourselves. And yeah, I used to lie a lot when I was younger and when I actually admitted this to myself and took it out of the dark and into the light and said it out loud, like, yeah, I used to lie all the time. And so it's like, what's underneath that? Because I personally believe that every behavior, every pattern, every craving, like everything that we do has a positive intention for us. And the reason why I used to lie all the time was so I could fit in. I wanted to fit in with um, with people at school and a certain group of girls, particularly when I was much younger, like in secondary school. So, you know, 11, 12 years old. Um, and I felt like the way that I could fit in with them was to lie about things, to lie about my life, to make up stories. So it came from a positive place. It was just me trying to find my way through school and fit in with the girls that I thought would, um, you know, make me feel safe and belong at school. Um, but I shamed myself for it for years. But it wasn't until I, I admitted it to myself, which was honestly like two weeks ago. This has been a very new realization. Oh, well. mm -hmm really excited that I can actually talk about this um talk about this now but as soon as I admitted it to myself it's like it's not bad it, all I was trying to do was fit in and belong it didn't come from a bad place like it's not an identity thing like I am not bad because I lied but the whole while that we keep things in the dark and shame ourselves for them they're just gonna, they're gonna run the show, right? When we have mm. unhealed and unintegrated parts of ourselves, they're gonna run the show. Cause it's like a kind of screaming, screaming child that wants attention. How is, how is that little girl inside you who lied to fit in and belong? How is she gonna feel if you're not giving her attention? She's gonna kick and scream and she's gonna command your attention. Right. And I noticed that this shaming myself of lying um, when I was younger has been showing up in so many areas of my life. And this is the other thing, right? Like it's not just about um, squashing it and pushing it to one side. Like it's going to be rippling out into every area of your life until you actually give it attention. Mm, I love that. And then it came to the light and it's like, lying or whatever it might look like it can be our medicine up until a certain point it's what you know kept us fitting in or, or however it looked but there's a point where it's like this isn't my medicine anymore and when it comes to the light it um 
it's an opportunity to alchemize it into something else or to just be with it and recognize like, this is, this is part of who I am. Um, not who you are, but it's, it's one of the masks that we wear, right? We wear so many different masks and it's one of our masks and we can choose to take it off or we can choose to keep it on. But when we bury and repress it, like I had a client yesterday who kept saying that she was angry, but then she's like, no, I'm not angry. I'm not angry. And it's like, well, you are angry, but something tells you that it's wrong to be angry. It's not wrong to be angry. If it's there, it's there. Like it just wants to be recognized and honored and loved just like every other aspect of ourselves, you know, but like anger or lying or manipulation, you know, these kind of shadow realms, they've been deemed wrong, but until we accept them, they're running the show. Just like you said, they're like an inner child kicking and screaming in the inner realms, like see me, see me, see me, love me, love me, love me. And so when you can accept those shadow aspects or the parts that you might not like, that's when it's like, I'm whole. I always was whole, but now I can stand fully in my light and my dark and my truth and all aspects of it. Yeah, I love that. Like being able to stand fully whole in the light and the dark. I think this can be kind of like a misconception of personal and spiritual development that it's all light. It's all, you know, sunshine, rainbows when, you know, that is really not the case. A lot of the time you're sitting in darkness until you can alchemize that kind of pain into passion or into light but you've got to be able to sit with it um and I think what you said about the masks as well like you get to choose whether you take that mask off or you keep it on this is really where your power lies right like understanding that you always have the power to choose and I think you know especially in society at the moment um we can be under the under the impression that we that we don't have a choice that we don't get to choose but we always do especially when it comes to the self like we get to decide every single morning we get to wake up and choose who do I want to be today like who's going to be in the driver's seat is it you know my ego or is it going to be my higher self like I get to choose that and it's not about you know, eradicating the ego or the shadow and completely blocking it out because we know that it's there to keep us safe and protect us and help us survive. But it's about understanding that we always get to choose who's who's in the driver's seat, who's got the keys to the car. And that's really, yeah, where the power is, like understanding that no matter what, we always get to choose not what's happening outside of ourselves we don't have control of that but we always have control of who we choose to be in any moment beautiful I love that it's like we get to choose what an experience means as well and the story that we create around it and because you know everybody's perspective is completely different because we're all living through a different lens and so when we, you know, experience these trauma is the only word that's coming to mind, but intense crumblings, death, you know, I love that, you know, the spiritual journey is not all love and light. It is not all love and light. It's really going into those depths where we can see in the dark, we can see the shadow, all the realms. Um, But what is very empowering, even when we're going through this darkness, these deaths, these crumbling 
moments is I get to choose what this means. I get to choose how I show up in this, which can look like sitting in the pain as opposed to numbing or, you know, and, and I know for yourself, just there's been other dark moments that have come up on your spiritual path, those crumbling moments. And through this journey, this spiritual journey has how you, how you have shown up for those deaths or crumbling changed. And what does that look like? Yes. Um, I was hoping you'd ask me this question. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I, I've spoken about this a little bit on my socials, um, but truly I would say that this year has been the absolute hardest year of my life. Um, And I really love what you said about, you know, we get to decide what an experience means, means and what a story means. That's actually that's going to determine the outcome. That's going to determine how something's going to go, not an experience. An experience is just an experience. It's happened and it's there, but it's like, what am I making this mean? What am I making this mean about myself? And what am I making this mean about the world? And this is, yeah, the real determiner of how something's going to go. And yeah, this year has been so incredibly hard for me. You know, I have definitely been in a depression and I have suffered with depression when I was in my kind of late teens and early twenties. I suffered with it very badly. I was on really high medication, so high at one point that I couldn't even leave my room. I was just completely out of it basically. And this was, you know, a long time ago, but I know for sure that this depression that I've been in now has been much worse than that. And I never thought that I would say that this year has been the hardest year of my life um, since the year I lost my dad. I always thought, you know, life can't get harder than this. Like my, you know, my whole world came crashing down when I lost my dad and I thought it can't get any worse than this. And then this year happened. Um, And, you know, I won't go into detail of why this year has been so incredibly hard, because otherwise this podcast will be about three hours long. (laughs) But it's been there, you know, I've been in a depression. And I think the difference in myself, even though I know in my heart, I know in my body about how, in how my body's felt throughout this last few months, that this has been worse than what I experienced when I was on medication. But I feel so much more brave and so so much more connected to myself and trusting in myself that I've had the courage to sit in it rather than trying to, you know, numb it out or busy myself like I did when my dad died. Or before when I took medication, it was very much from a place of like, I can't deal with this. I can't deal with this depression. I need to get on with my life. So I need something that's just gonna help me cope. Um, Whereas this time around, I've sat in it and I've felt it all. And life has knocked me to my knees time and time again. And I've been at breaking point and felt to myself, and said, you know, to my partner, Josh, like, it can't get any worse than this. If it gets worse than this, like, I'm, I'm going to die. Like, I, I cannot cope. And I have every single time, 
every single time life has knocked me to my knees, I have got back up again. Even with, you know, my heart beating, my palms sweating, my knees quivering, I've got up and I've taken a step forwards. And as much as a lot of this year has felt so tough and so painful and so dark, it's actually allowed me to recognize like, holy shit, like I am so strong. I'm so resilient and I am so fucking powerful because every time I've felt like I want to give up and life is not worth it and it can't get any worse and it has got worse, I've still taken a step forwards. I've still showed up for myself. And don't get me wrong, that showing up might have looked different in certain points. Like sometimes showing up for myself looked like making sure I got out of bed in the morning, making sure I drank water and ate food that day. It was doing the bare minimum to show up for myself, but I still did it. And I think, you know, when we get into these really dark times where we feel like we can't cope and it's scary as hell. I'm not denying that it's scary as hell, but then it's like, look at me go, look at me go. Like I'm still showing up. I'm still putting one foot in front of the other, even though it feels like every time I take a step forward, I'm taking five back. I'm still choosing to step forwards again. And that is where we realize our true strength and our true power. It's not, it's easy to show up for yourself when everything feels fucking great, right? It's easy to do the work and, you know, practice self-love when everything's going well for you. But it's in those dark moments where you don't know how you're gonna go on and you don't know how you're gonna show up for yourself and you do it anyway, that's when we really realize how incredibly strong and resilient we are. I love that. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. And it feels like the divine almost brings these onto our path to deepen that trust in ourselves. Because when we crumble down and we show up, and just like you said, it takes so much courage to be fully in it. And, you know, compounded courage creates confidence, right? And so if we're just showing up for ourselves each day, sitting in the pain, doing exactly what needs to be done in the inner realms, which is just being with ourselves exactly where we are, it deepens that trust and confidence and power in the self where it's like, I just freaking fell hard down, like life threw me a curveball, but I'm still here with myself. I'm still loving myself. I'm still showing up for myself in whatever capacity that um, looks like I've got my own back. I trust myself and that certainty in the self. Cause I know earlier on in the conversation, you spoke about like, we, we can't control other people's reactions. We don't know how they're going to show up for us. All we really know is how we're going to show up for ourselves. And that darkness allows that, like, I've got you, we're going to be okay we're going to going to rise on the other side and so those moments can be such opportunities um, of spiritual lessons to deepen the trust with that um, you know showing up for the self and going deep within and the courage to meet yourself exactly where you're at i know boundaries plays a huge role 
in that. And, um, you know, there's other key tools, like kind of like your hell yeses, your hell nos, honoring yourself. That's what it feels like is a deep honoring of the self. And so for you, how do boundaries show up and just how integral are they on this path to staying deeply connected to the self? I think boundaries are one of the most important elements of showing up for yourself and practicing self-love. And I think a really kind of, a really simple way of how it shows up for me, because, you know, recovering people pleaser right here. (laughs) I was the queen of people pleasing and all that happens when we do that um, I know anybody listening who's a fellow people pleaser will be able to resonate. It's like it's a fast track ticket to burnout because we're consistently abandoning ourselves. And what has been a really powerful way for me to set boundaries and be firm in my boundaries is being connected to my intuition and asking myself the question, is this a yes or is this a no? Because In reality, I don't know. I don't believe that I don't know is a thing. I believe that we always know. And when we say I don't know, it's because we're scared to stand in the truth of what we do know, right? So when we say I don't know, like that's not a thing. And if we actually get quiet with ourselves and ask ask ourselves, is this a yes or is this a no? we always know. And if I'm, if I'm feeling unsure of whether I'm letting my boundaries be crossed, or somebody's crossing my boundaries, asking myself that question is incredibly powerful. It sounds so simple. And really, it is simple, right? But simple doesn't always mean easy. Um, But is this a yes? Or is this a no? Because we always we always know. We're just often scared to stand in that. Yes. And we're often scared to stand in our yeses and our noes because of what might meet us on the other side, right? If, if that recovering people pleaser is showing up, you know, and you say no to somebody, well, what's their reaction going to be? It's like we dim ourselves to make sure that everybody else is comfortable. And when we're choosing ourselves, their comfort is not our responsibility. And so if we stand fully and like my hell, yes, my hell, no, my maybe there's always maybes there too. We don't know how other people are going to respond, but if we control and dim ourselves and people, please, we know the response because we're, we're kind of telling them what they want to hear. So that is such potent. It's such a potent pathway to reclamation, but it's not always going to make everybody else happy. And I think that's part of our work on this, this planet is to allow other people to be uncomfortable, you know, because when you were speaking about being in the depression, that is uncomfortable. Being in the darkness is uncomfortable. And we've been so conditioned to not sit in the discomfort. And so if we trigger somebody, if we activate somebody, we don't do what they want us to do. We're giving them an opportunity to sit in their own discomfort, which allows growth because growth is on the other side of discomfort. So 
yeah, it's a beautiful invitation for ourselves and others. They might just not see it <laughs> that way at all. Yeah, so true. It's actually, you know, setting boundaries isn't just an act of self-love and an act of showing up for yourself. It's actually, you know, exactly like you said, inviting others to do the same and highlighting where they might have poor boundaries and where they need to do some work. Yeah, yeah. With the feminine or the divine feminine and you know, we're all, we all have the feminine and the masculine within us. We are all, um, the sacred feminine, the divine feminine. I think what, what shifts for me is when we recognize the divinity that is within us, when we're like seeing that light and embodying our truth and seeing our wholeness that is within. And so with that divine feminine energy that is very magnetic and, um, I mean, she's chaos and surrendering and flowing and all that beauty. I think what really keeps us separate from her part, you know, part of the work on the path is receiving and fully receiving from the, the inner realms, from the outer realms. But what comes up for you around receiving and it's like allowing life to guide us, you know, when we're fully receiving we can surrender, but as women, we've been so conditioned to give, 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 which is actually a quite masculine energy, which is very, you know, not how our society has been divine or um, designed or conditioned or whatever it might look like. Um, but that receiving energy allows the flow and the surrender to take place. So what comes up for you around receiving in the feminine? Mm. Yeah, I think for me, it took me a while to understand this, like coming from, I was very much, you know, before I got into my spiritual journey and into personal development, I was very much wrapped up in that hustle culture. Go, 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 do, do, do. Doesn't matter where I am in my cycle. I am going at hundred miles per hour. And if I'm, I'm not picking myself up off the floor each day, then I have not worked hard enough. And Coming from that and starting to explore being more in the in, in the feminine and embracing the divine feminine, um, it took me a while to really understand what that looked like. I kind of did, I don't know if you can relate to this, but I did a complete 180. So I went from hustling like crazy to doing absolutely nothing and being like, I'm just going to float around and be in my feminine and all these amazing things are going to come to me because I'm just in receiving mode 24 <laughs> seven. Definitely relate to that. Mm -hmm. From taking all the action and being burnt out and going and doing and hustling and never actually being to just being all the time and taking no action. Um, and I think for me, being in the divine feminine is not about, and being in the place of receiving isn't about not taking the action. So for me, what I've really learned this past year is that I've still got to show up. I've still got to take the action. I've still got to, you know, get in alignment with the feeling but then also be in a place of trust that the action that I am taking is 
enough is exactly where I'm supposed to be and letting go of the expectation of you know what I think it's going to look like and how I think it's going to go trust that the steps that I'm taking are leading me to exactly where I need to be and then going into that place of receiving of what I am doing is more than enough does that answer the question yeah yeah and it, it brings forward just you know when we think of the feminine the earth is our teacher and when we think of humans the earth is our teacher right and and we are all that union of the inner king and the inner queen, the inner masculine and feminine. And I can totally relate to going from one side of hustle, hustle, like waking up with coffee, going to bed with wine, like barely keeping my eyes open, trying to juggle a million balls, which is very much the toxic masculinity, but going from that into like just floundering in a sea or just floating in a sea of water, like just so completely in my feminine. And I think when we move into a space that feels really good, it's that union of the two within. Yeah. And as humans, the earth is our teacher and the, the earth is not producing all the time, right? Gaia is not producing all the time. And so we go into those very dark spaces like winter. Um, right now, it's very cold here in Canada. And it's like, that is our time to go within, but the fires are still burning really softly, but we can listen in that stillness and get those little like nudges to take action and following that too. It's like, there's still seeds deep within the soils that are, there's life deep down in the fertile soil. So no matter where we're at, there are those nudges and opportunities, but when we sink into the receiving and the feminine, it's listening to that and taking action from that space, as opposed to, I should be doing this. I got to look this way. I need to do more. I need to do, do, do. It's like, no, I'm a cyclical being. I can't do all the time. I can't abandon myself all the time because that's exhausting. And so where am I being guided? And that intuition that you spoke so beautifully of is, is the guide and that deep, deep listening. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you brought up being cyclical beings that I think that's, you know, so important, especially for women. Like we are, it is impossible for us to be switched on and going and doing all the time. Like there are literally times in the month where we have to be in that surrender and receive space. And it, that was such a huge realization for me like oh it's actually not like it's completely counterintuitive for me to be switched on all the time no wonder I'm getting burnt out no wonder I'm exhausted no wonder I'm getting sick all the time because I'm literally fighting against my body my body's natural cycle yes and our body is such a teacher when we deeply deeply listen and so with that in intuition and for me intuition um you know we feel it in our body we receive whispers and inner knowings and it's deeply connected to our higher self which our highest self which is always within she's always meeting us exactly where we're at oftentimes we may not, might not be hearing her because we're following the mind or external energies or or whatever it might look like but that in intuition is really a guide into our deep inner knowing. And so what would be some key ways that come to mind for you of how to connect 
to the intuition and to listen to our inner guidance and our higher self, because we are our inner authority and, you know, we are our truth. We hold our deepest knowing. Yeah, I love this question. And um, I get asked this a lot by clients because the majority of women or feminine beings that work with me really, really struggle to connect to their intuition. They might be in a place where they're not even sure what it is or how it shows up for them. But we do always know how our intuition shows up for us. It's just we've been taught by society to disregard that. Like, oh, you, oh no, that's just a feeling. Like, I'm just going to ignore that. We're, we're taught to be very heady, right? So what I always like to start with, and again, this sounds almost too simple, but especially if you're somebody who has no idea how your intuition shows up for you, start honoring your body's natural communications that go on every single day like eat when you're hungry have a drink when you feel thirsty go to the toilet when your body signals that you need the toilet rather than saying that you can't be bothered and holding it in for an hour and then having to run to the toilet go go to sleep when you're tired it's like these natural communications that our body is always communicating with us with is such a powerful way to actually understand how your body communicates with you and what that feels like and in doing those simple um, acts it's not just recognizing it for yourself I believe it's also creating that trust between you and your body like oh like I say that I want something and Emma responds to that and Emma does it we're actually working together here um, I think that's such a powerful way. And another thing, and this is something I often do with clients, like, you know, it's going back to what I said earlier about how we, we say we don't know, but we really always do know. We're just kind of scared to stand in that truth. And what I do if I get in this place, because, you know, I'm still human, I'm not exempt to this stuff coming up. Um, and that's not always, that's actually not the aim at all, right? I think this is another misconception which I've spoken about often it's like we think that going on this path of connecting to our intuition connecting to our higher self like we think that um we can think it's about um kind of blocking out these things and these things not showing up for us anymore and that's never going to happen we're always going to be met with fear um and we're always going to be met with our ego but it's about becoming more practiced in kind of discerning between the two um because we actually need our ego when it comes to making decisions right we need to have um that logic in there because sometimes it really isn't the right time we're really not in the right place for it we really can't afford it we need that ego to come in to be able to discern that but if I find myself in that place I'll often just get really quiet in my body connect to my breath and then I will connect to my head and I'll ask my head the question what do you think about whatever it is and I'll just let my head speak and I'll let it come through and chances are it's going to be lots of conflicting thoughts going round and round and round trying to drop in somewhere that feels safe but I just let it be and I remain the 
curious observer to that. These thoughts that are going on in my head, they're not good or bad. This is just what my head wants to say. And I love and I respect that. And then I'll ask the same question and I'll connect to the part of my body where I feel my intuition. This might be different for everybody. Some people feel it in their heart. Some people feel it in their womb space. Like it, some people might feel it in their little finger. It doesn't matter, like wherever, um, wherever you feel it. So I'll connect to that part of myself and I'll ask the same question and I'll let my intuition come through. And in that, it is often very, very clear which one is talking. You know, your intuition will be very direct, very calm, more kind of, especially if it's an opportunity that feels right. It's not gonna be like, yes, you should absolutely do this. Like do it, do it, do it. I, for me, and this might be different for everybody. So I'm not kind of saying this is gospel, but for me, it shows up of, as more of like an invitation. Oh, Emma, like, wouldn't it be so cool if you moved to this house? Like, this is what happened when I walked into this house. Um, like, Emma, this house is amazing. Wouldn't it be so awesome if you could live here? And then my head comes in. Holy shit, you can't afford this. Like, no, this, you're not ready for this. Like, what if this happens? What if you can't pay the rent? What if that? that <laughs> and but then my intuition's still there. How amazing would it be if you could make this happen? Like you should totally go for this. It's invitational, but it's very direct, not pushy. And I think a lot of the time when we're looking to connect to our intuition, we expect it to be this big, loud, you should absolutely 100% totally do this, like a big kind of billboard of what we should, what we should do or what is right. And the intuition isn't going to show up that way, especially at first, if you're not used to leaning in and trusting it. Um, but yeah, that is that exercise has helped me a lot with making making big decisions when I haven't been able to figure out whether something is right or whether it's my intuition coming through or whether it's my ego. Mm, that's beautiful. I love that it's usually an invitation where it's just soft. And I know, you know, when co-creating our lives with the divine, you know, manifesting, it can be like, hmm, what if I was living in my cabin in the woods? Or, you know, what if this happened? And what it invokes is such like curiosity and wonder. And that's what I felt when you were speaking about intuition and how it's received for you is just kind of like mm, that playful energy of like, what if you did live here? And then the ego pipes up with all the, all the limiting beliefs, which it does, right? Because what you spoke so beautifully about is the fears never go away. The limiting beliefs never go away. It's always there. But what this spiritual path allows is a deeper um, trust in the self to take the, you know, I'm going to move into the house. I'm going to listen to my intuition and, and play with this. And also it allows us to navigate the waters much more effectively where we don't get consumed or bound or like have that feeling within us like when's the ball going to drop when is this going to end it's like it's it's a constant like unraveling of the layers where that deep deep trust comes within and I love that invitation about just listening to our bodies and I want to eat or you know that kind of thing because we're at the end of the day we're animals having a you know we're we're angel and animal 
we're all of it, but we are in an animalistic body. And so we have to listen to that and honor that. And what it brought up for me is that wild woman where, you know, as women, we've been cut off from using our voice and not speaking our truth. And our body is such a guide where it's like, I want to scream right now, or I want to like, let out a roar or however it wants to show up, or I want to dance, like I want to move. That can also be such an invitation to listen to our intuition and inner knowing because we're animals. We have to roar sometimes. (laughs) Like we have to move our bodies. That's what it's designed for. And so the body is such a pathway into the intuitive self. I love that. I love that about just, yeah, leaning into that. For me, the way that the wild woman often shows up for me, and I'm still kind of, I'm still really exploring, you know, how the different archetypes show up for me. But for me, the wild woman shows up with singing. Like, I just want to sing. And what I love so much now that we're living on this farm is we have acres and acres of fields around the back of the house and nobody's there it's completely deserted and sometimes I just walk up there with the dog and I will just sing and bellow as loud as I possibly can and it just feels so fucking good because I just get this yeah this like intuitive like you need like you need to sing like you need to let this out I'm like oh yeah I feel that and just yeah for me it's singing like I always loved to sing as a child um, and I've kind of lost touch with that as I've got older I've got shy and like feel like I don't want to do it but yeah I just for me it's singing just bellowing letting it out yeah it's been Christmas carols recently just random Christmas carols just screaming them at the top of my voice and I just feel like so alive when I do that (laughs) yeah yeah it feels like the throat we it's kind of like a bottleneck where so much energy gets stored, right? Cause it's, it's moving through the throat and with the witch wound and so many different generational things happening for women that we're carrying forward in our lineage. Oftentimes shit gets stuck in the throat and we don't release it because it's too much and we can't speak our truth. And so singing and howling, like our own voice is so healing. It's the perfect octave for our own healing journey. And so that singing, it's like, yeah, just letting, letting it out and being allowing it to be so therapeutic. I love that. So with relationship, I know you've spoken on your social so beautifully about your journey with Josh and specifically that you didn't come together in a space where you were fully loving yourself, you know, and, and in the the personal development world, there can be such a narrative that we have to be whole and holy to fully call in our beloved or, um, whatever that looks like. And and the truth is, is like, we are always whole. We just might not be, be seeing our own wholeness or divinity, but with, with your relationship, how has that been a teacher and like a path to that self-love of the self, because he's been with you through your darkness and, and at a time when you didn't love yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I will always be I don't think Josh will ever understand how much of a teacher he has been and always will be for me. He's been one of my greatest teachers. Um, I do believe that everybody walks into our lives to teach us something. Um, 
And I feel so grateful that my soulmate is also my biggest teacher. And I definitely was kind of of the belief um, when I met him, which was in 2017. And I believed that I wouldn't, you know, really find true love until I'd kind of worked on myself. But, you know, this was 2017. I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know what personal development was. I just thought there's going to be a time where I'll magically love myself and be healed and then I'll find love. Um, but yes, like when I met Josh, I absolutely did not love myself. I was probably at one of my worst periods of fighting against my body somehow hoping I would win this war that I was having against myself I really believed that I would and then yeah Josh came along and it he kind of broke a pattern for me in terms of dating um I before when I would you know go out on a date with a guy I would kind of mold myself. I would mold myself into being how I thought they wanted me to be and how I would be desirable to them. And I would kind of gauge how they were and what I thought they would like in me. And I would make myself that way. And when I went on my date with Josh for the first time, which was to a TGI Fridays, <laughs> and he sat opposite me at the table and it was like I had no other option than to be completely myself because it was like he already knew me. It was like he could see straight through me, like he could just see straight to my soul, like past, even past my physical body. And it was the strangest feeling for me um, to feel like there was nowhere to hide. I just had to be me there was no choice because it's like he already knew me um and I truly felt like I loved him the moment I sat in front of him at that restaurant and I'd known him before for a couple of months um on a friendship basis wasn't really kind of sexually or phys physically attracted to him in any kind of way just like a really great friend to me um but yeah sitting opposite him in kind of an intimate dinner setting that I, I fell in love with him and I didn't even think that was possible. And yeah, I certainly did not love myself. I didn't love myself at all. And our relationship, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, we, it's been perfect, nothing is, but it's felt easy. Um, we've been together for over four years now and it's felt easy the whole way through. And what he has done for me is shone a big fat light on the areas where I didn't love myself and also shown me that I can love those parts of myself because he does. You know, he's, like you said, you know, he's been through all of the darkness with me. He's been with me 24 seven this year when I've been through probably the worst depression I've ever been through and the hardest year of my life. And he's seen all of the parts of myself that I've deemed as ugly, as shameful, as not enough. And he has loved them with his whole being. And that's allowed me to consider the possibility if he can love those parts of me, then surely I can too, because 
they're mine that he's loving these parts of me and he actually has has a choice in that and if he's choosing to surely I can choose to as well so no I didn't love myself when I met him and I don't think that's a prerequisite for being in a happy long-term loving conscious relationship but I do think that it can go two ways right you know he could have he's shone a light on those parts of me and I could have chose to push that away but instead I allowed my heart to remain open and I allowed my heart not to only remain open for him but to also remain open for myself and I considered the possibility this is the key thing I didn't believe because he loved those parts of me that I could love them too I just considered that it could be possible and I did the work for it to become possible oh I love that it's like relationship is such a mirror to show us the pieces that want to be loved and nourished and, and whole and seen. And so, you know, you spoke so beautifully of it that Josh showed you those places that wanted you, wanted your love and acceptance and healing. And that is such a, a beautiful journey to be on together. And relationship is such a teacher, you know, it's like, we can do so much work on our own and then we go into relationship and it's like, whoa, <laughs> that's the light. Like <laughs> those are the spaces that I have been avoiding. And so as humans, we're not meant to do this alone. So re relationship is such a teacher, such a mirror, such an invitation to go into the depths and you don't have to be, you know, fully healed because we never are or if anybody fully is healed, I would love to have a conversation <laughs> with that person. Cause I think they've just ascended off the planet, you know, we're here to be human. And so with that, we're always going on these journeys and, um, you know, we are met in relationship and it's such an invitation. We don't have to be fully anything to step into that we can use it as a space to learn and grow and evolve and be in those really conscious dynamics that allow such a beautiful um growing opportunity to take place so mm, I love that and so love with the work that you do for the planet you know the the way that you step up and offer your gifts what does that look like at this time so I've actually been, I've been sitting with this over the festive period and I've sat with it a lot. And I think my reason for that is because I just felt like something wasn't quite clicking. I was like, okay, so I help women become confident in who they are and I help women connect to their intuition so they can really thrive in their health and their life. Yes, I do that, but I felt like something's missing. And I've been sitting with this, um, yeah, just over this festive period, which has actually been just perfect timing um, to just really not have anything else on, to really sit with who I am and what I really feel I'm here to do. And who I am is such a complex question, right? But what I feel 
I'm really here to do. And what I have facilitated for my clients since the start of this year is really stepping, women stepping into the truth of who they are. Because I've realized that, yes, you know, losing my dad was the catalyst for me firstly going on my own spiritual journey and then um, me deciding to support women through theirs Um, but it's really come from a deep desire to stand in my truth and to stop hiding to stop telling lies to be who I truly am and be confident in that And so what I feel I'm here to do is support women and empower women to stand in the truth of who they are and feel empowered in who they are, whatever that looks like, without having to look outside of themselves to tell themselves that or to validate that that's okay. It's about women validating themselves and being empowered in just being who they are. You know, it goes back to um, walking into a room and not commanding attention, not shouting the loudest, just being like, hey, I'm here, this is me. Take it or leave it. It doesn't matter either way. I know I'm enough. I know that I deserve love. And from that space, this is where we feel confident This is where we feel trusting in who we are because we're standing tall and fucking proud in who we are. Yeah. Yeah. It's that inner knowing that. And so what I received when you were speaking about that, it's like guiding women into their inner knowing because when there's that inner knowing, nothing can be taken away from us. Life can throw us curveballs <laughs> and challenging experience experiences, but that inner knowing can never be severed, which is truth. And, you know, that inner knowing or truth that like who I am is such a potent question because the reality is, is we can't answer it with our human mind. Like we can't put words to it and we almost diminish it when we even try to verbalize who it is that we are it's so beyond that and when we just know whatever that is because it's a feeling it's an essence we are so empowered in who we are and to walk that path on the planet is so empowering as a collective when we're all standing in our inner knowing our truth our purpose that shifts paradigms you know the world would look so different or will look so different. I I fully believe that we're going through this critical time for our ascension and to move into a new space as a collective and what a, what a powerful potent time to be on the planet, but it's incredibly challenging. And so what I received from this conversation is just, it's so brave to be with the challenges and meet them face on and not numb out and awakening that like lioness energy within where it's like I I, I've got me I trust me I can show up in this fully as who I am yeah it's almost for me it's kind of being like really connecting to that 
inner mother, that inner mother in me that's like, I feel like my, my inner child, particularly kind of the 11, 12 year old version of me who just so badly wanted to fit in, so badly wanted to belong, didn't feel safe on her own. I think a lot of this year has been me connecting to that inner mother and commanding her authority to let her know like it is safe it is safe to be you it is safe to be big I've had this belief for a long time that you know I had to be small small equaled success small equaled happiness small equaled love it's like no it's safe to be big you're here to be big and I think a lot of this year has been me calling on that inner mother and really getting to know her and understanding her strength to nurture that little girl who just wants to feel safe and feel loved and fit in. Beautiful. That brought forward the Marianne Williamson quote about like often it's not our, I'm not going to remember it word for word, but it's often our light that we fear the most, like standing fully in who we are. That's what we fear the most. And so it's such an invitation and that nurturing of the inner child so that you can stand fully in your light. We can never be too big. You know, I think of like Yeshua coming to the planet and thinking he's too big, like Jesus, and that would never happen. Or, you know, when these, you know, I know that he went through his challenges and all that kind of stuff as well, but it's like, we wouldn't look at a newborn baby and be like, you're too big. You're too much light. You know, we, we take that on as we go through this human experience and it's such a deep, beautiful call to be like I can I am more than enough I'm never too much I can play big I can stand fully in who I am which for me also brings forward it's not the loudest woman in the room that is playing big it's the one that is in her inner knowing and in her truth and authentic as to how she she is called to show up yeah beautiful so just a couple questions to close what has been the biggest lesson that you've learned along the way? Oh my God, so many lessons, particularly this year. But I would say the biggest lesson for me has been to completely let go of how I think something is going to look like, completely get rid of those expectations and trust that I have a plan and I might think I know what is best and what is right, but God's plan is always better and it might not always make sense to me in the moment, but to just trust that what is meant for me is coming and completely letting go, blocking out, getting rid of what I think that that looks like because I don't know, because God's plan is so much bigger than mine. Oh, I love that. It's like our human mind thinks we know what's best, but God has something so far greater than that. If we just surrender to the mysteries and allow, allow it to flow beautiful. And so how do you experience the mysteries? Everywhere. I think the mysteries are everywhere. What comes to mind when you ask me that question is really when I'm out in nature and I'm fully present, like being in the present moment 
is really where those mysteries show up for me and where I experience magic you know when I'm out in the fields at the back of my house and I'm just staring at the lake and watching how the water moves and ripples or watching the water when it's completely still noticing a tiny little bubble from a fish that's somewhere in the lake like nothing and in that moment when I'm looking at that or when I'm looking at one of the trees and how the leaves are moving or how how the bark looks on the tree it's like nothing else matters like mystery and magic is everywhere if you remain open and present to recognize it and to experience it beautiful last question how do you root into the self being with myself spending time with myself um again it goes back to nature just being outside being in the present moment whatever whatever that moment is but really being out in nature um helps me feel really rooted in the self um and just being yeah being with myself being with my body um in in any way you know I could say like yes yes in nature but sometimes it looks like me just sitting on my bed and staring at the wall I I feel I just feel like I'm I'm here I'm here this feels this is amazing Mm. have to be anything anything really kind of spiritual or you know out there it's just just being with myself and just being with what is Mm, I love that it doesn't have to be some big fancy ritual you know a checklist to tick it's just simply being with the self which when we're with ourselves it's we're in our body we're grounded we're rooted and from that space all things are all things are possible thank you my love is there anything else that you would like to add to this beautiful conversation is there anything i want to add i think just i think the only thing that i want to add to anybody who's listening um is really to just take some time to acknowledge how truly powerful and resilient you are. I think that we have all been tested this past year, maybe, you know, even longer, you know, year, 18 months, two years, when this whole thing started in the world, um, our resilience and our strength has truly been tested and this will look different for all of us but I think we can all take a moment to sit back and reflect and celebrate ourselves for how fucking powerful we are because we have all proven that this year time and time again beautiful thank you thank you so much for this potent conversation in the show notes will be where you can follow Emma and follow her journey and reach out to Emma and all that beautiful stuff. And so thank you so much, love, for joining me on the podcast. I've loved our conversation and I'm sending you so, so much love. Thank you.
Thank you so much for joining me for an episode of the Phoenix Rising podcast. Please like, share, download, subscribe if you enjoyed this episode. And I will see you next week for another episode on the Phoenix Rising podcast. Sending so much love.